I'm a fun guy. Uh, obviously, I love the game of basketball. Um, I mean, it's just more questions you have to ask me um, in order for me to tell you about myself. I just can't give you a whole spiel. <laughs> I don't even know where you're sitting at. <laughs> Welcome back, ladies and gents. Episode number 23. Episode number 23. This is the Michael Jordan. I personally would like to say the LeBron James episode, but I know there's some Michael Jordan fans out there. Whatever. He wore it first, so I'll give him, it's, it's I'll give him credit. Hey, me. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> episode number 23. Very excited. That's actually cool that's episode number 23 because today we have an awesome episode. Two of my dearest friends. We have Brigham and Anna Jukes. They are some of the closest people I have, and I consider them like a brother and sister, or a son and daughter, either way. You can, <laughs> you can look at it however you want. Um, we're going to introduce them in just a sec. Um, as far as announcements, there's nothing special other than go listen to last week's episode, because um, it was really, really good. Me and Hayden preaching the good word, preaching the good word. We do we, we do what we can. We do what we can, indeed. Um and so last week's episode was really good. Go give it a listen. Cool announcement that's just small. I was recently on a YouTube video for my cousin Jason, Jason Ray Flake. You can look him up on YouTube. And he gets, for some reason, millions of views in Japan. Like his whole, everything is Japanese. It's like he filmed a video where he drops a wallet 50 times in Japan to see how many times it gets returned. Every single time it gets returned. And it's got like 9 million views now. So kudos to him. He has me on a video and we were reacting to uh, Japanese commercials. Dude, <laughs> Japanese commercials are whack. <laughs> like some of the weirdest things I have ever seen. Um, but in that reaction video at the very end, he gave us a little shout out. Um, tossed it up on the screen. Said, this is Monza Flake from the Life Must Go On podcast. How much did you have to pay him? <laughs> Thankfully zero, you know. I used the whole family. Uh, you know, tie thing. Yeah, exactly. I, I said, bro, it. come on, come on, we're fam, we're fam. <laughs> but we do now, we just added, we're up to 16 countries where the podcast has been played, and Japan just barely popped up. So, Sweet. how cool. That's kind of hype. Um, hopefully, you know, they either speak English or they have, like, something to translate it. <laughs> but super, super cool. Um, anywho, Flugan, that is all. Next week's going to be a good episode. It should be with my homie KG. We will see... Um, guaranteed on Monday, but it should be um, KG. And if not, it's still going to be beautiful, so you're going to want to tune in. Anywho, I'm taking up the time. So I would like to introduce, once again, Brigham and Anna Jukes. Take the floor, please, please. Well, thanks for thanks for having us, Monson and Hayden. Um, we're excited to be here. Um, my name is Brigham Jukes. Um, lived most of my life in South Jordan, Utah. Beautiful. But I've also spent some time in Massachusetts, a little town in Western Mass called Belchertown, believe it or not. Belcher. Named named after Lord Belcher. Wow. What a guy. So, and then also in Northern Virginia and Centerville, Fairfax County. Um, Hmm. And then some time in South Africa, which is where I met Monson. We were companions on on our mission together. Um, And I know your listeners, if they've listened, they've heard a little bit of your mission experience. And so it's an opportunity for people to give two years for, for men, a year and a half, for women, um, yes, sir. of service to the church and what we believe to be service to our God and to the people wherever we serve. 
and yeah, it was an awesome experience in South Africa, and that's where me and Monson um, met each other. Totally. Um, I just graduated from BYU in April. I'm a biology major. I'm pre-dental. I'm taking a gap year, just working, doing research in the meantime until I hope to go to dental school next fall. Mm. Um, shortly after that mission, I met and married this beautiful woman here. Hi. This is Anna. <laughs> did. And uh, I'll let her introduce her yeah. and maybe a little bit of our family. So. Yes, I'm Anna. Um, I grew up in Boston. So actually when we met, it was a crazy coincidence that Brigham lived in Belchertown because if you're from Massachusetts, you most likely have never heard of it. <laughs> but for some it's reason, tiny. when yeah. I was in high school, my mom decided to buy a church with another friend and use it as an art studio. So in Belchertown. In Belchertown. No yes. So So now I have a shirt that says, I heart Belchertown from her mom. Because <laughs> they, they do not like Belchertown. Not it's good actually, yeah. it was supposed to be a gift for my mom, from my dad, but she hates Belchertown now because <laughs> oh, so it was a stressful, <laughs> yes, I thought oh, you knew shame. that. <laughs> um, That's crazy. I yeah. didn't know that. And your mom, everybody, Anna's mom's an awesome artist. Yes. And Anna is an awesome artist. Thank you. She's got True. mad skills. Thanks. Sorry, sorry, continue. No, you're good. Um, yeah, so like Brigham said, we met after our missions and got married really fast. Total Provo couple here. <laughs> um, Very stereotypical. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Going three years strong, though. We have a little baby boy, oh, Russell. And he's cute. Yes, he is mm. just the best. Yeah. Brought him. He'll, so. he'll be six months by the time this episode comes out. So. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, when is it? Like Saturday. It'll be the third. Oh, yeah, really? just two days. Yeah, Heck two yeah. Days away. That is so cool. Yep. Good on them. Six months. Yeah. Um, very awesome. Yes, I am a huge fan of both these two, and I kind of saw them both come together as... So Brigham actually was my very last... Well, so JK. I was his very last companion. Yeah, he sent me home. Um, I sent him home, which was really fun. And then I told him, listen, this is the kind of guy Brigham is. I said, if you don't email me every single week... I'll chop your legs off. And uh, that never happens. When you tell anybody, email me every week. They just, they're like, funny guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 100%. It just never happens. And then they forget about you. But Brigham, every single week for the rest of my mission, which was another 18 months, Brigham emailed me every single week. Wow, that's what did. And so every single week I get updates of, there was one week you forgot, but then it was like, on a Monday, you forgot to send it, but then you sent another one on yeah, Tuesday. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and uh, his, so as soon as he met Anna and they started going out on dates and stuff, I saw the whole process. He did. She took you to the cabin, to the cabin. I remember the cabin. Yes. Yeah. Remember all these cute stories. You know, Brigham was like, I held her door one time and she gave me a kiss and said, thanks. That's true. <laughs> and we still do that almost every time we get in the car. Really? Yeah. Oh, you guys. So, you see, this is what I'm talking about. These guys kind of are emotional amazing. right now. Oh, even me. I'll start crying. <laughs> I see the tears coming. <laughs> no way. Good thing this isn't on YouTube. <laughs> no <laughs> totally, video. Yeah. Totally, no video. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's seriously like two of the awesomest people I know, and they have a really, really incredible story, um, both obviously separate, but then together they have a really incredible story, which I think will benefit a lot of us. And so Brigham's going to kind of take us a take away from here, take every... Brigham's going to take over for the rest of the podcast. There we go. That's why we, That's why there's two of us. That is why there's two You're of us. You're just here to make jokes and keep it light. <laughs> just like Bud. You know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> should, should I just start? Bud, should I should yeah, yeah, you just carry on, please. All right, Brigham, take us away. Yeah, we'll get carried away here. <laughs> All right, so the reason I 
well, yeah, I'll just I'll just get into it. So yeah, please, I, uh, serving in South Africa, I had been there for about fourteen months or so, and served in different places. Loved it. Loved the people. It's hard, but it was fun. It was wonderful. It's all these things that if you've met someone who's been on a mission, ninety-five, a high percentage of them will say all these great things about their mission. And obviously, there's exceptions to that, and that's how life is. Not everyone has the same experience, but right. um, many, many great experiences there in South Africa. And so, I come up to this point um, where I'm serving on the coast in a township um, in South Africa called Umlazi. And I also want to put out a disclaimer, like, Hmm. if anyone out there is listening, has a mission call to South Africa or anything, like, don't freak out. (laughs) um, Yeah, don't cry. (laughs) And then also township is, like, what you imagine Africa to look like versus the town areas is, like, where everything's really nice. South Africa's got a unique, very unique dynamic. It's, like, nice houses, two streets over, shacks. And so a township, if he says that, that refers to, like, what you guys imagine Africa to look like. Yeah, just a little more suburban. And then there is like village, which is like the bush. Right. But townships right. like somewhere between those two. Yeah, I'd say. it's like so. shacks that are organized. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but really, really wonderful people. So I'd, I'd been there. And um, as soon as we got there, something, so these missionaries who were also in Umlazi, but in the other half, they, uh, they actually had their car stolen. Mm. They were, they were walking um, as, your, your boy, Justin Osler, oh, yes. and, uh, and his companion, uh, Elder Sabanda, and they had these guys come up to him. I don't know the full story, but they got put in the back of their little car. They drove him, like, I think, like 100 yards or mm-hmm. 100 meters, I guess, if it's <laughs> South yeah, African. Exactly. Anyways, um, and they, they bop him on the head. Gave bop is probably— pistol whipped. Yeah, they got pistol whipped, right? There you go. And then they sent him out of the car and, and stole their car. Maybe stole phones, maybe stole keys. Like, I know, I don't— or, of course, they stole keys because they stole the car, but <laughs> <laughs> stole wallets and stuff. Anyway, so we hear this story. We, like, we meet him at the hospital because they were bleeding. And we're like, wow, guys, this is so crazy. Like, we're so mm-hmm. glad you guys are okay. Um, like, can we help you with anything? We, like, stayed with them for a few nights. They moved in to our apartment for a little bit. And, like, we thought, like, oh, you know, like, sometimes these things happen. You know, no matter where you serve, there's, there's an element of um, things can get stolen. Very true. People, yeah. Um, no matter where you are, so. Mm. We had a we have a friend who got shot by a blow dart in Reno, Nevada. <laughs> a blow dart. Yeah. <laughs> so like these things happen anywhere. Um, just biking down the just street. Just biking down the street. And someone just. <laughs> sorry, that was probably too close to the mic, but. Oh yeah, <laughs> might have been loud. It's okay. Um. Anyways, so we that happens like three or four weeks before what the story I'm about to tell. The incident. Yeah. So you you hear about these things where people get their cars stolen, and. They, they take the owner of the car with them usually because lots of people have trackers on their vehicle. Mm. And so they want to make sure that they know where the tracker is to disable the tracker. And then um, they'll like, once they find out where the tracker is, disable it, they'll like drive them down a dirt road, pop, pop, take the car. So that's like typical car or taxi, whatever. That's like the story you hear Yeah, is drive them around, take care of the tracker, go on a dirt road off the beaten path, pop, pop take the car Mm. so this is the kind of world we were living in down there right it's a saturday afternoon in october and we had appointments cancel and so we're like okay church is tomorrow let's uh let's go visit these people that we've been talking to people that we've been teaching and remind them about church and and see if we can help them get there and and things like that Mm. 
Um, so there's this one sister um, who was excited about about the things we were teaching, excited about the things we were uh, she was learning. And uh, so we go visit her. Her house is like a bit on like a hill at the, can I say, the mouth of a dead-end street. Mm. Okay, so the opening of a dead-end street, right? We, we park our car, which, by the way, our car was the only car in the mission that did not have a tracker because at, t- at the time we were in the office. So we were going to the office almost every day. So they, they were like checking on us. They already knew like kind of where we were and everything. So yeah. they didn't feel the need for our car to have a tracker at that time. So pull up, get out of the car, walk up this hill where you can't really see the street from the top of the hill because it's a pretty steep incline. But as we're like approaching the door, these people on the far side of the street, there's just four dudes. And they're like, hey, no one's home. It's like, how do you guys know? Like, <laughs> I don't know. That probably happens a lot of places too. Like people try to like dissuade you from knocking on people's doors. Yeah. They, yeah. they don't trust a couple of white guys walking around in, in shirts and ties, which is understandable, right? We're, we're foreign and... Totally. And things like that. And we're like, so we just yell back. We're like, oh, we're just going to check anyways. Like, <laughs> see you guys. Like, anyways, knock on the door. She was home. She's excited to come to church. On and on and on. Walk back down the hill. We're going to get back in our car, go visit someone else. And then there's a bunch of little kids out on the street, which is, which is also pretty typical. And they're like yeah. excited to see us because we're white, which just different they it's just different right yeah. not like good bad whatever but it was just different than most white people they only interacted with were just on tv or, yeah. or whatever so they were they were like calling us names and stuff and, and teasing <laughs> us and so we started teasing them back a little bit um just like they'd come up and high fives knuckles show sure. sure. a little show it's just like a little thumb gesture that's playful that. with little yeah, kids they always they come South America show. Too. oh do they yeah. oh cool uh, it's fun yeah, so there you go Anyways, but then when they'd get close, me and my companion would, like, yell and, like, kind of scare them away. They'd, like, mm-hmm. run away laughing and be like, ah, and then they like, come back. We'd do it again and then scare them away and they like, run away laughing. And then, like, do it again and we're like, okay, for real, like, we're leaving this time. <laughs> and as we do that, these four guys who we'd seen earlier, they mm-hmm. rush, me and my companion, two to each of us. And my first thought was, like, oh, they're, like, teasing us like we just tease the little kids. Like, that's funny, <laughs> right? Like, oh, they're getting us back. Like, okay, we deserve it. But then, like, one of them just starts, like, going through my pockets and everything. Like, I was like, what the heck? And then the other guy's, like, waiting, kind of, like, back up. Like, what's going on? And it's just, like, it's, like, 4.30 on a Saturday. Like, people just out and about, people out in their yards. And, like, broad daylight, basically. And uh, so I I just start yelling, like, trying to get people's attention. Like, hey, hey, hey. Um, And then as soon as I start yelling, the guy behind pulls out a gun. I'm like, oh. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm I stopped quiet. yelling. I was like, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Like, I see these guys are serious now. It's not just like a trying to like grab and run. Anyways, mm-hmm. so they say, give us our keys, get in the car. Give us your keys and get in the car. My companion had the keys, toss them the keys, and they shove us in the back seat on the ground of this little Toyota Corolla. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I'm not a I'm not a little guy. I'm not a big guy. I'm like five <laughs> eleven, one fifty five. So like. Classic Provo white dude build. Right, right. right? But like that, that little Corolla, like that's a, that was a tight squeeze. In the fourth grade. Yeah, no, I'm like <laughs> as big as Monson in the fourth grade. That's exactly right. And my companion was even a little taller. So I just remember being like, yeah, that's really tight. So uncomfortable. Like neck craned to the side, like knees in my knees craned up all the way through my chest. Like I remember mm. almost throwing up. Like, like I don't want to throw up all over myself because it's uh, like my face was on the floor. Yeah. Anyways, but at the same time, it's like, I'm going to die right now, so who cares? Like, uh, that was, like, the, the full expectation is, like, oh, the first thoughts are, like, all right, like, this is it. Like, this is how I'm going to die. So they, they start 
they drive, they take our car. I remember seeing actually right before they closed the door, like the little kids running away again. Mm. And I remember thinking like, I wonder if they're gonna like tell their parents, like what are they, they're like, hey, some white guys got picked up. He's like, oh, third ones this week. Like, yeah. <laughs> and did, uh, <laughs> did by chance, um, the girl whose house you stopped at, did she see at I all? Don't, I no? don't believe so. Really? Yeah. So she probably just went back so. inside and. Yeah. Oh, gee. Okay. But sorry. spoiler, she did come to church the next day. Oh, That's let's what we found go. Out, so, yeah. Anyways, um, so they, they start driving us and they're asking us all these questions. They don't speak English very well and we don't speak their language at all. So. Um, that's, that's more than I did at the time. So um, they're like taking our phones. Um, they're seeing if we have any money. They're like grabbing our credit cards. They, I, I convinced them because I had my credit card in my, uh, my little handbook in my pocket. And I was like, yeah. no, this is just a book. It's not a wallet. Like, and so they're like, okay. But my companion like handed them everything, just like <laughs> shelling it out, which I probably should have done. Yeah, honestly, I was about to say, pretty matter. wild of you yeah. to slide dog that. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Just panic mode. I was just. You're like, mm. Well, that's like, pretty good, though. It's just a book. Like, you guys want a book? Anyways, so then they one person gets out and goes and uh, goes to it or hands it to somebody else outside the car, and they go to an ATM. They ask him for his pin. They're doing this on the phone. So, mm. anyways, they're getting they're getting my companion's money at the time as they're also driving us around. Lose track of all time. Um, while they're driving us around, I think it was about thirty minutes the first section. Then they park. And they start looking for the tracker and they're asking us where the tracker is, but nobody knows where the tracker is except for the person who installs it. Right. That's how it works. So I don't know why they were asking us because they should know that, right? And they're probably experienced, right? <laughs> yeah, this but... is probably their fourth <laughs> time doing this. Yeah. Um, sorry. Um, and we're like, we don't know. We've been told our car doesn't have a tracker. And they're like, well, what are we going to do when we find it? It's like, I don't know. You tell us. Like, <laughs> I don't uh, You got us. Yeah. So. They they keep looking for it, and we think it's about thirty minutes. Funny note, they still had our music playing um, in the car while we're driving around and while we're parked, which is just like this nice, like not like hardcore gospel music, like soft, nice, peaceful gospel music. So it's <laughs> yeah. it's really funny. It's just like while they're robbing you, got you yeah. at gunpoint, they're listening to freaking. I am a child of God. <laughs> just <laughs> this kind of thing, like, oh. which is actually quite comforting. Yeah, um, I was about to say that's kind of yeah. nice. <laughs> yeah. So they're looking for the tracker, and the guy that they left in the car to watch us, who's like literally sitting on top of us, hmm. right? He's just like, "Don't worry, guys. I go to church. You're gonna be fine." <laughs> You're like, right? Okay. Right. <laughs> like, I know there's, I know there's good people and bad people in and out of all religion, but right. like this guy sitting on our backs with a gun on top of us, like wasn't bringing me any comfort, no matter what he said about his religious yeah, I was status. About to say, so like, don't worry, bro. I've been to church. <laughs> like, You're like, uh, well, clearly you haven't been in a while. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> you tell it to everyone. Like, what's, what's going on? But uh, after they check for trackers, they don't find it, um, as expected. And uh, they change out our music for like some hardcore rap, South African stuff. And so of course. That, that was too bad. Um, so yeah, there some, I'll just share some thoughts I had while, uh, this is all going down. Yeah. And by the way, if I can add as well, Umlazi is huge. It is giant. Like, and as missionaries, you guys were only allowed to go in certain sections of it mm-hmm. because of this kind of thing. It's yeah. like, don't go places you don't know because it's more dangerous because people yeah. don't know you, right? And so Umlazi is massive. So if you guys were driving around for that long, yeah. you get out of the car and it's like, I have no idea where I am. Exactly. Like, it's a completely different world because exactly. it goes for miles. 22 
speed bumps to get to your guys' house. There are a lot of speed bumps. If I as remember well. counting. So that was actually something comforting because <laughs> you'd you'd feel the speed bumps. It's like okay, we're still in Umlazi. Right. Like, we're still on the paved road because you know once we went on dirt road, like okay, that's game over. <laughs> and we're feeling feeling this gun. I'm feeling this gun on my back, right? Yeah. At least I think. Like I said, I don't even know if it was a real gun. It, I, it didn't have an orange tip. I can tell you that much. Okay. <laughs> but I, I I don't know. You don't um, really want to question much though. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm like, I remember thinking, please don't shoot me in the butt. Cause it's right on my lower back, like oh. right in the small of my back, right on my tailbone. I'm like, if you shoot me in the butt, I'm going to be so mad. Oh, like, suck. I'll be ticked. But uh, at the same time, I'm like, then I just bleed all over your new car guys. So <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> I also remember thinking like, um, I was thinking of different scriptures, like that brought me peace, different songs that brought me peace. I'm um, thinking like, well, it's a good thing. Like I don't have a girlfriend waiting for me. So if I die, like <laughs> nothing's going to, you know, it'll be fine. I've got plenty yeah. of brothers and sisters to replace me at home. Like my parents will be fine. <laughs> oh, shame. I do remember thinking like, yeah, like I, like I think people will miss me, but, but like, they'll be okay. No one's like relying on me. Like this is a good time of life to die. Right. You know? Fair. So, Fair. and not that I was perfect or anything, um, but I was like, I was trying to do what's right. Right. And I was like, you know, if it's, if it's time, it's time. Like, that's let's let's do this so that's scary i eventually came to that at first it's just like, <laughs> like oh, yeah, your heart's pounding and but you know it's like 30 minutes driving around just like come on guys get on with it right so <laughs> yeah. it's kind of that confidence and the things you've been learning your whole life right exactly yeah mm. yeah um they finished checking for a tracker it's getting it's getting darker now um i think it became overcast and kind of like started drizzling a little bit and so they're driving us and we think it's another about 30 minutes mm. And then they do pull off and go onto a dirt road. No like, this way. Is it. Like, this is it. Like, okay, so I didn't know. Okay, so they drove you around twice. Yep. First time and then checked the and car. Checked the, get yep. you back in. Yep. Drive again. Okay. Yep. Oh, one other thing. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, my companion told me this. He's like, I remember like rubbing my fingers together because that's like as much as you could move without them getting mad at you. Right. He's like, this is last time I'll have a body for a while. He's like, oh. he's like this is what it feels like. <laughs> <laughs> so like we were ready. Um, I don't know if we were actually ready, but we felt like, but we like it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Pull onto, wow. the, pull onto the dirt road. Uh, two guys get out um, and then they drive even further. So we're like, oh gosh, like what is mm. going on? Drive even further down this dirt road. And uh, then they, they park and they tell us to sit up in the car. And I just see like this little shack, like just off the road. I'm like, oh, oh gosh. It's like, if they're going to take us in there, like, I didn't know what was going to happen. Right. Okay. So. I'm thinking it's kind of getting dark where no one can see us now. There's a little shack. I don't know. So your mind starts going places that place. It's like building up again. Well, totally. Yeah. If I see this, I'm like, they're going to torture us. So they're yeah, gonna, exactly. You know, so many things. Sexually wow. abused, torture, whatever. Like yeah. they're going to take us in there. And I'm thinking like Saratov approach. If anyone's seen that movie. Yeah. Like for it was a in Russia, in Russia, much more serious circumstance. Like they were taking held ransom and stuff right. for weeks, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, but that's, you know, that's going through my mind. I'm thinking at this point, like, I'm going to be in a Mormon message. Like, if I live through this, <laughs> they're not called that anymore, but, like, inspirational message, right? Oh, 100%. It's like, yeah, but I realize why they don't do that. I haven't been contacted yet, so if anyone's listening, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I realize why they don't do that. Um, yeah. But that's what I'm thinking. Like, that's my, what, I'm 19? That's what my 19-year-old brain is doing. Yeah. Right? So they tell us to take off all our clothes and get out of the car. Oh. And I'm like... With all these thoughts in my head, I'm like, oh no, yeah. Like, I am going to make sure I get shot before they do anything to me. Like, I am going to. Oh yeah, if I'm trying to be to, killed. Yeah, if they're gonna be touching. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Yeah. So, and I, 
sorry, I'm I'm laughing a lot, but it's because there's a happy ending. So that's why that's why I'm on the podcast, right? Because <laughs> yeah, life must go on. Yeah, so. Exactly. Life there's a happy must ending. Must go on. I'm thinking like, man, how can I keep like my driver's license? Like, because I'm in South Africa. Like, I want to drive again if I if I do live through this. Like, I think like, can I like shove it in my cheek? Can I like squeeze it between? <laughs> can I squeeze it between my butt cheeks? That's <laughs> the most important thing. <laughs> like, cause I don't want to have to get a new one. Like anybody in South Africa, is it gonna, gonna pull you over anyway? <laughs> you never know. So, so I'm thinking about those things, and I'm like, no, if they take me in here and they find like I was holding like a credit card or holding my driver's license away from them, like, they'll be kind of mad. Yeah, so totally, totally. Anyway, so I leave everything except I do ask, can I keep my glasses? And they're like, sure, you can keep your glasses. <laughs> and actually, that brought me a lot of comfort. I'm like. Why would they let would a guy keep his me? glasses if they're just going to kill him? Yeah. So. Or maybe they just wanted you to be at ease before they killed you. <laughs> yeah, you know? maybe. Yeah, for sure. Keep your glasses. They just want the meat nice and tender, relaxed. You know, they don't you want to drink anything. water? Yeah. We'll get to drink <laughs> <Yeah>. water. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> man. But that's so funny to me that you're like, hold on, let me, is it okay if I keep my glasses? Yeah, yeah. And it was the, the church going guy that said yes, actually. Oh, so, really? Yeah. Wow. So, hopefully, you know, tender. hopefully he's repenting. Yeah, yeah. You know? we'll see, you know. And then they say, Okay, drop all your clothes, leave them in the car. So we are butt naked, head to toe, okay? Two white boys, butt naked. And I'm holding my glasses in my hand, actually, because they got so smudged. They are you wearing useless. socks? No socks. Wow. Barefoot. Oh, 100% gee. everything, okay? And then they say, run or we'll shoot you. Oh. And so we just start booking it down this dirt road. My companion flipping takes off. <laughs> like, he turns on the jets. Oh, I'm about to say, I'm, just, I'm gone. But there's, like, glass all over and everything. So I'm, like... Like, I'm sure I looked hilarious, butt naked, like, kind of wobbling side to side, like, <laughs> trying to not step on glass, but it's dark. And I'm thinking, like, what? Do they want, like, target practice? Like, they're not going to pop me in the back right now. So I'm thinking I'm in the clear. But whatever I was going through in my companion's head, like, he was. Oh, he's <laughs> out, bro. <laughs> Anyways, so we get down, Jeez. and we come to this river at the end of this dirt road. And we say a prayer of gratitude. And also, like, you know, we could be. We're at the mercy of whoever finds us now. Right. Because now we're just a couple of couple of dudes. Two naked white boys in the township. Right. So it's like Which if we insane. we could we so could sketchy. Yeah, <laughs> we could happen upon anybody now and we could be right back in the same situation. Damn. But honestly most of the most of the vast majority of people around the world and especially in South Africa are kind, right, mm-hmm. are good natured people. And so we we just start falling this river, fell in a couple times like halfway. So Oh actually? Yeah, like because you're, like, following it, but then, like, it's dark, and so you just, like, Slip take a deep and... step and, like, goes up to your waist all of a sudden. You're like, oh, uh, I don't want all those the... rivers are yeah, yeah, questionable. They're very questionable. questionable. <laughs> but That's we... where they put the last two guys that they took. So. <laughs> Probably. <sighs> so we, we, we go back towards the light from the township, okay? And it's probably, like I said, I have no idea, but it was dark by now, and it was about 4.30 when we got took, so yeah, got taken, yeah. And, uh... We, we go back towards the light. It was probably like a 45-minute walk, mm. just, just butt naked. And it, honestly, greatest feeling of freedom I've ever had. Yeah. <laughs> like, no lie. It was extremely freeing, I think, emotionally and physically. Like, it's a nice early yeah. fall day. I guess early spring in the southern hemisphere. Right. Like, it was right. a pleasant experience. <laughs> <laughs> we get back close to the township. We say another prayer that whoever finds us will be, will be kind and pick up some cardboard, go knock on some huts, um, not doing what missionaries do best, knocking doors. And uh, some people hear us and come out and offer us clothes, which was very, very nice. Mm. And they even walked with us. They, they sent a few guys with us because Saturday night in a township. Like, people are drinking. Yeah. People are obviously robbing people yeah. out of their cars. Yeah. And so we, uh, these guys walked with us the whole time, probably another 45 minutes, until we were 
in an area where we, we knew kind of where we were and we, we knew where some members of our church um, lived. And then we got a hold of a cell phone, called our mission president, and, uh, and then he came and picked us up. And so. was he, if I can get cool details, yeah. first off, one thing that I love about this whole story is first time you guys go to the river after running off um, and you pray, if, if I don't recall, fireflies. There were fireflies. Thank you for remembering I that. never saw fireflies my entire mission. Yeah. I was there for two whole years, you know? Yeah, well, Just you never like you. butt naked down by the river <laughs> on Saturday night. It was the sign of the dove is what it was. No, for real. There, there were fireflies. Like, we opened our eyes, and the first thing I thought was, like, flashlights. Like, oh, man, people are, like, looking for us. Like, yeah. people, they came after us again. Yeah. But then, like, I was like, no, these are these are bugs. These are fireflies. And it, was, it was really cool. That Thank is awesome. Thank you for remembering that no, detail. No, honestly. Hey, I love that. That's one of my favorite parts. Um, and then as well, <laughs> I just think of you guys showing up in these people's houses oh my butt gosh. naked, man. two white boys, and they're like, what yeah. on earth? But they're they, nice enough, thankfully. And they didn't look that surprised, honestly. Oh, really? So maybe that was just my interpretation. <laughs> I think they're but, just like, serves them right. Well, yeah, maybe, honestly. Like, this does not... Maybe like, what, what were these guys expecting? Yeah. Living in Umlazi. Yeah, it's you true. Know, right? so wearing suits every day, driving a car. <laughs> yeah, for reals, for reals. Um... Yeah, but maybe they thought you were quite dashing. Perhaps. <laughs> but uh, Anna could Anna could uh, say, right, speak to that. No, Anna can attest. She said, "Hey." hey, hey. Um, and then when they walk you over, you get a hold of mission president. Yeah, contact the police um, and everything from there. Did was I could be mistaken on this? Mission president Prez Thompson. Yeah. Was he already out and about? They were, yes. Yes. And that's one of the coolest parts to me. It was very cool because we felt alone. We felt like nobody knows that we are out here. No one knows right. that we have been taken. Right. But I don't know if it was the kids or the people out in the yard. They they saw us mm. and uh, they knew some members of our church. They contacted them, said, hey, your missionary just got thrown in the back of a car. Mm. And they dispatched a bunch of members driving around in cars looking for us because they knew what our car looked like. Right. And they contacted the mission president and there were people looking for us for those couple hours and yeah. two or three hours or however long it was that we were gone yeah dang that's so cool the story the story does go on i don't know if you had a question sorry no no i was just adding in a couple of those details but. so so i'm just we we hug our mission president i'm just shaking like because yeah. like adrenaline adrenaline the shock like yeah. just like whew. so go to the police station take care of everything i'm worried they're gonna like go to our go to our apartment like steal everything because we had our keys yeah. to our house on our our keychain to our car anyways the worst part honestly was then like i'm still in south africa yeah like i am living here every day still for another 10 months we did yeah we did move to a different area but we still went back to mlazi to teach the same people we were teaching right and then like i think two or three weeks after some other missionaries in our same not the ones who got taken before but the area just next to them so in our zone, if you know what that is, yeah, they had their car stolen. So now I'm like, okay, was, like, was this the wrapped around a pole car? This was the wrapped around a pole car. Yeah. yeah, they came into a teaching appointment, stole the keys, stole the car, and left. And uh, at that point, I'm like, we're being targeted. Like, totally, totally. I'm not safe here. Like, no missionaries are safe. Like, how many times is this gonna happen, where like a missionary doesn't die until someone does die? Like, yeah. And that was the worst part. It's like. And I just remember feeling absolutely like paralyzed like, by fear. Am I next? Yeah, exactly. Like, is it going to happen to me again, or is it going to happen to one of my friends? And like, someone's going to die. And uh, I just remember feeling absolutely distraught. Like, mm. 
Was that, it interesting? Sorry to interrupt. But no, you're good. Like for me, I, I feel like you probably got to a point, and correct me if I'm wrong, where you started to mistrust the people a little bit. You looked at them a little bit differently, judged them a little harder. Oh, yeah. Because I know for me, something not nearly as bad, but I had a little incident. And yeah, you kind of, because you're kind of in this eternal bliss when yeah, you're on your mission yeah. where you don't believe that anything could go wrong, that you're going to be protected, all these different things. And then when something does happen, you're like, you kind of wake up and you're like, hold on a second. Like, I am a foreigner. Yeah. I am the only white guy around. And you're like, geez, like, yeah, I need to be more careful. Yeah, I didn't. So we used to like pray before we go into appointments. We'd sit in our car and pray and, you know, ask for blessings to be upon us as we taught these people. But I never closed my eyes after that. Like, I would not close my eyes out in yeah. the area because I'm, I was checking the rearview mirrors the whole time. Right. We were doing this. I, I was always, when we were walking, I'd check over my shoulder. And so, yeah, it's just like, doesn't feel good to live in fear. And uh, that was like the worst thing that they took from us. I don't, I don't know if that's cliche, but saying like they stole my peace of mind. Yeah. And uh, at least a little bit of confidence. Absolutely. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I even, yeah, the first time I got robbed there, it was just, it could be like a grandma walking behind me. Yeah. And if I notice she's walking behind me for too long, I'm like, what do you want? What's going on? <laughs> like, you want something? Like, you know, you start noticing these patterns, which is cool because you're adapting. Yeah, you feel but, aware. Yeah, you feel more aware. But at the same time, it's not fun. And then yeah. from then on, I mean, like you're saying, you're still there. And so now, like, every single night is honestly, like, we could get robbed tonight. Yeah. It happened in the middle of the day. Yeah. Like, it was only 4 o'clock in the yeah. afternoon. Yeah. We could get robbed any time, and at nighttime, it's. Did you sleep well after? I think I, I think I slept fine. It was mm. it was mostly my waking hours. Like, I definitely felt very anxious all the time, and that was actually yeah one of the, if I can call it a tender mercy or hidden blessing from this experience was, um, like I gained I gained uh, empathy for those who struggle with mental illness. All right. Like just I, I felt. Uh, anxious all the time like I remember like I just became so fixated on like I gotta get a bag like because they had stolen everything like I gotta get a new bag and like that I could not focus on anything for like three days mm. until I could go to the store and get a bag right like it's so irrational right like dude just just fine just like carry things in your hands like I don't know so I just remember after that just like wow that's like what it feels like to not have control of your thoughts mm. um, and thankfully for me it wasn't too long um but I realized, you know, for some people, they deal with these intrusive, horrible thoughts that, that come out of left field all their life. Yeah. And, uh, and so I just, I felt grateful that I, although it was hard, but that it was a short time for me, but I also gained that empathy for those who, yeah. who do struggle with mental illness. So Totally. At least an understanding. Um, which, I mean, obviously segues into you guys' marriage and the story just continues on, which is awesome, which is so cool. Um, and you guys seriously have an awesome, awesome story. Um, last thing I'll mention before we segue is I remember as well, one of the first things I learned from Brigham, in fact, the very first night I was in South Africa, we slept in the same place because I was with Elder Shwe, the goat, my boy. Yeah. Shwe Shwe, if you're listening somehow, my brother, I love you, man. I love that guy. Um, but, uh, I remember driving home from the mission home to our place, to our flat. And, uh, this was like two weeks, two or three weeks after the incident had happened. It was that soon? It was uh, maybe like a month. But oh, my pretty, gosh, I didn't realize. Quick. Well, that makes sense because yeah. I remember driving back, and most missionaries would do this, but Brigham's the first one that taught me it. Came to a red light 
at nighttime, he just drove through it. <laughs> I'm not stopping. <laughs> never stop at red lights, um, which I carried on, obviously, yeah. for the rest of the mission. Never yeah. stopped at any red lights. But I just remember, I remember you emphasized it. You were like, not stopping there. And went by, and I was yeah. like, I'm going to die in this place. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the, the kind of wrap-up and the, the reason that I think this is a, an appropriate story for Life Must Go On mm. um, is I did have a Life Must Go On moment. Um, at the end of this, because obviously I had to live there for 10 more months and right. uh, I didn't want to just sit in my apartment all day. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's hard to kind of encapsulate the feelings, but I just eventually had to, and through a series of experiences, realize like, if I die, I die. Mm. Like really, what's the worst that could happen? And can I live, with, yeah. can I live with that mm. or can I die with it? Like, and I believe, you know, whatever the listeners out there believe about God or an afterlife, I do believe in a God. I do believe in a higher power. I do believe in an afterlife. Mm. And that belief, like, that I will be able to see people I love again, that I will live again, that got me through. It's like, if I die, like, it'll just be a see you later to all my friends and family. Yeah. And I'll, uh, and I just had to keep that on the forefront of my mind. So, yeah. Which is huge because you could have gone home. Yeah. Nobody made you stay. You yeah. chose to stay, which is awesome and hard. But listen, hey, we're going to have to get into it a little bit more another time because I could tell you more when it comes to like when we become companions and he's got me biking out to the like ghettoest places yeah. ever, <laughs> hours away from our house in the middle of the dark. And I was like, my brother, you're going to kill us. And you're like, hey, man, we die, we die. If we die, we die. That's <laughs> funny. Like, hey, I don't know if I'm on that level yet, my brother. <laughs> no one's going to steal our bikes, bro. They're not going to take us in our bikes. They wanted and <laughs> our bikes. And they would have crouched us on the front of it crouched just like you guys and pedaled us away. <laughs> <laughs> Down a dirt road. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But it does segue um, yeah. into your guys' uh, marriage, and you guys start dating, and uh, you guys just carry on. I'm not going to spoil nothing. You guys just carry on. You want me to introduce our, our dating life? Are we starting from there? Well, uh, let's just say we had a typical Provo dating experience, dated quick, fell in love really quick, which pros and cons, right? Right. Um, but wonderful. It was great to fall in love with Anna, um, love her and her family. Um, and we get married in August of 2019. Um, and then on our honeymoon, and, and Anna really hadn't had a history of mental illness. Is that true like yes so really nothing cause usually that'd be a thing you talk about which you can work through as you're engaged as you're dating and things oh. and that's i feel like that's pretty normal but and we had talked about it and maybe some small things from childhood or teenage years but i think everything pretty normal that most people experience mm. but then on our honeymoon actually was like the first sign where it's like this isn't normal yeah i remember that it, we were gonna go to the San Diego, San Diego Zoo, Zoo. and yeah. I was really excited mm. and it was like one of the last days of our honeymoon so we had already done like everything else mm -hmm. that we had planned to do and there was like a gas a leak freaking gas leak the San Diego so, Zoo oh, shut really? the whole thing down no so way. the whole zoo was shut down and then it was right by, by Balboa Park so we were like okay we'll just head over there and see what to do but all of that stuff was shut down too so it was like I don't know it's like you know, not that big of a deal, but for some reason it was like, I just felt like. You couldn't shake it and you weren't yourself is kind of. Yeah, was, I just felt so weird. I felt like, like, yeah, I don't even know how to describe it. but like this Just like, constantly on your mind, though. Like, 
which is like cloud had come why is it on my mind but for some reason it was just like the and it was like the day was ruined like i couldn't like like it wasn't like everything else we did that week that was really fun like didn't really matter Mm. it's like this day we were supposed to do this thing and now we can't and there's nothing to do like yeah so it was weird and very different for me because I hadn't really ever felt that before yeah did it feel as if someone had like taken control of your brain a little bit yeah someone else took over the reins and started controlling you yeah Mm. weird it was yeah it was overall just weird and then like you know later that night we've you know found other things to do and it kind of you know turn the day around turn the day around but then like um yeah and then it was just the next couple weeks and months like yeah we came home more and more and had a pretty normal week and then school started and you started a new job and that's where things really started Mm. like tanking for for anna yeah uh, mentally and emotionally yeah i just remember like I don't know. I've I never had like a legit job before, <laughs> which is kind of embarrassing to say, but um but I felt like, you know, I'm married now. It's like, you know, I Brigham does so much for us and he's such a hard worker and so I felt like I have plenty of time like I should get a job and contribute to our marriage and our life. So, I just got a job on campus and um it was like, you know, pretty like average job. It wasn't so hard, not really like a ton of work to do, but it just like, I just had a lot of anxiety come up from it. And um, just dreaded it, like mm. yeah. literally so bad. Just like completely out of character all of a sudden. Yep. Yeah. And it's like, wait, this a couple months ago would not have happened. Yep. And that honestly, like, that honestly makes it worse because then, well, first it goes from, like, like if we go back to the <coughs> zoo incident and all of a sudden all these thoughts of randomly out of nowhere, you're like, I am not having a good time and I'm not enjoying this. This isn't normal of me. And then from there on forward, if it happens again, that's then all you think about. And you're like, why am I acting this way? Kind of compounds on itself. Exactly. Yeah. You're, mm-hmm. you're, on, you're having an argument with the cosmos in your head, which is so... Like it's hard. I mean, it's just unique. And then, and then to get that job, and you're just constantly yeah. questioning. That's really well, hard. A quick question would be for you, Anna. How would you describe anxiety? Like, what's your personal definition of that? Um, for me, the way that um, that I experience it is like I just am constantly thinking of worst case scenario. And, um, and just like, think like whatever it is, like specifically in this situation, um, I felt totally inadequate. I felt like I am going to let these people down because like they shouldn't have hired me because I don't know what I'm doing, blah, blah, blah. Mm. So it's just like, just, just extreme intrusive thoughts of like, um, yeah, worst case scenarios and, um, just a lot of negative self-talk. Um, um, yeah, that negative self-talk was probably, at least that was the most outward part that I could see. Right. Because um, I'm obviously not in her head, but um, just 
oh, that was really hard because then she didn't she didn't like herself. And I, you know, this is the woman I loved. I just married her, right. and we were we were in love. And then all of a sudden, like she didn't love herself, and it's because of all these mental things going on. And mm. and then like that, then that started affecting you physically as well in terms of self harm, things like that. And so that was where it became. And real yeah. well yeah that's when it gets and and then it's hard of course on just both you guys's ends where anna now feels inadequate because these intrusive thoughts and she's struggling obviously mentally and just having difficulties probably you probably felt inadequate as well for like brigham right and it's like well now he's disappointed in me and then on brigham's end he's obviously not really disappointed in you but he can't necessarily help because it is internal. Absolutely yeah. helpless. And so, yeah. yeah. And so as a husband. For and, both of us. Yeah. yeah. And for the most part, like just naturally as a man, we're fixers. Yeah. And so it's yeah. like, uh, build, fix, good thing. <laughs> uh, I want to, you know. Exactly. And so, but with something like this, like how much can you really do? And at your point, you probably, what I imagine is just as you're having those struggles, you probably didn't necessarily want the help or feel you deserved the help. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah, it was really hard. Um, and you nailed it. Like, I felt like I was just became this huge burden um, to everyone, but especially Brigham. I felt like because we hadn't known each other for so long, like we didn't date for too long. I felt like I had like tricked him into marrying me basically because uh. I was like, I was pretty fun. Like, and <laughs> you know, we, we had a good time and but then we get married and all of a sudden I'm like, you know, crying all the time and not going to class and yeah. So I was like, like Brigham's going to resent me because, you know, I'm not the person that he thought I was. And, and it was hard too, because I wasn't the person that I thought I was either. Like, um, I was becoming this, you know, just like a shell of a person, basically. I feel like I, um, yeah, I don't know. So, yeah. Dang, that's so difficult. Um, and then of course, just the thoughts of, I mean, getting married is a big step and it's hard enough as it is. Right. Um, me and Hayden know from, you know, experience. Years and years. (laughs) Years and years. (laughs) Um, it's hard enough to get married. And then once this happens, both of you guys are now like, did we rush it? Is it too soon? The doubts automatically start to come in. And then um, you feel guilty about having those doubts. Exactly. Yeah. You're like, why am I doubting? Heavenly Father, yeah. I trust in your plan. You're but like, at the same time. We can make this work. We don't have to struggle through it. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And then, yeah, that is such a difficult. And so I guess for the both of you, I'd ask this question. Um, and since Brigham's been talking, I specifically ask it to Anna. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I'm just kidding. But you two, you can add to it. <laughs> but Hayden actually came up with this question. So let me give him the hype. Um I guess, how have you been able to survive in a marriage where something as unexpected as this happened? Um, I feel like as frequent as, you know, we would call them like my episodes, like really bad. Um, you know, there were still little, you know, hints of Hmm. fun times like we used to have and, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and so I feel like that was really good. Sorry. Can you repeat the question? I'm like, <laughs> just 
I guess how how did you handle such an unexpected experience okay. within your marriage, and like how did you maintain marriage? So for me, I feel like for better or for worse, when this all happened, I was completely reliant on Brigham, mm. which obviously like, I feel very lucky to have had him, but that was not healthy for either of us because you know he can't be the only person to help me and take care of me and stuff mm-hmm. um so that was that was hard um but it was for me because i i feel like i'm more of a dependent person than an independent person uh which eh, not that great but um it it was really comforting to know that like with these struggles that I was having, like I had Brigham and he was there no matter what, even though a lot of times my brain would tell me that he didn't want to be and like, you know, would just leave or whatever. Mm. Um, But yeah, just, um, just having him there made all the difference. Like I have no idea what I would have done if, if I were experiencing these things on my own, um, especially because I I feel like I'm not one to reach out to people mm. very much. Like, so, and because of that, like, I don't have a ton of, like, really close relationships with people. Um, and, like, honestly, Brigham's the first, first and really only person I've, like, like really, really connected with. Um, and so just knowing that, like, I've like no idea, um, how this would have been, but, um, yeah. Hmm. Did you want to say something? Yeah, I would just, we've been kind of beating around the bush. Um, like this went on for a year and a half, what Anna was experiencing and the self-harm eventually led to her being hospitalized for suicidal ideations, which, um, I think that's important to note that this is something real that many, many people feel, um, and it can happen to, to anybody. Um, your, your life can be hijacked by mental illness and that can lead to, um, I know we've talked about suicide on this podcast before with your experiences, Monson. And so, Mm -hmm. um, that was, you know, I'd, I'd go to work or school and, you know, I still have to work, still have to try to graduate and everything. And I'd come home and not know if if my wife was going to be dead. And uh, that's not a that's not a thought. Uh, I was 22 when I got married. That's not a thought a 22 year old. That's not a thought anybody should have. But you know, like especially you're just young. And yeah. So mm-hmm. you have all these expectations about marriage. And so to answer your question, I kind of wrote something down because oh, I okay. didn't want to ramble. But <laughs> um, your question was like, how do you keep going through a marriage when when things get hard? And yeah. I think this applies to many people, no matter what struggles, because every marriage has has difficulties, right. whatever it may be. Right. Um, a question I would get a lot is like when you're dating or engaged or newly married, it's like, well, what do you love about Anna? And it's like, well, I can, I can list like a million things. Like, um, but it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a dangerous question actually. Like, what do you mm-hmm. love about this person? And it, it made me feel uncomfortable. And because I was uncomfortable about that question, it actually made me feel guilty. Like, do I like not love her enough or whatever? Mm-hmm. Like, Maybe I was just way too like in my why head. Why can't but I think of something off the top of my <laughs> yeah. head? Yeah, you know? and I could yeah. think of things because, I mean, look at her. Um, she's Fantastic. absolutely gorgeous <laughs> and, and absolutely all these. The best. And um, mm-hmm. so sweet and so kind. But 
I, I think that question, what do you love about blank is, is okay in the short run, but, but people change. In our case, that change happened literally on our honeymoon for yeah, Anna. And, and I've changed. I'm not the same person I was um, when I got married at 22 and 25 now. And both of us are quite different in just three years. Um, we're quite different from who we were when we first started dating and when we got married. And, you know, if that much change can happen in three years, imagine what people will be like, you know, or what we'll be like by the time we're 35 or mm. 55 or 95, you know. Right. Um, people think that they should just fall in love with and marry someone who has similar interests and hobbies so that you can always have fun together and be in love. And that's great until one of you change. And one of you will always change, if not both of you. And, and people change all the time. And if your reason to love someone was, oh, I love that we both love the outdoors, mm. and then what are you going to love about them when they change or you change and one of you doesn't like the outdoors anymore? Like right. you have to either be, so there's two options. You either have to be constantly updating your list of reasons why you love that person. Mm. And there may, be, there may be periods of time, years and years when you don't have common interests anymore. Right. And that list gets shorter and shorter and shorter. I think um, what worked, at least in our situation was, I just forgot about the list. Mm. It's like, I forgot about the list of things that I love about Anna and I just truly loved Anna. Rather than finding a long list of reasons to love someone, for me it was better to just love someone without any reason. Mm. Just I just Anna and I had similar core values, goals and morals and then I just tried to love her no matter what. Um so there was no more I love you because dot 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 but just I love you period. Mm. And that can be scary to love without reason. Um, don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about abusive situations or toxic relationships. Those, those right. are a different category. Mm-hmm. You need to get out of those relationships as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. But in a relationship where both people have similar values, morals, and goals, and both people are committed to a relationship, you don't need a reason to love them. You can just love them. Mm-hmm. I have no reason to love Anna, <laughs> which sounds horrible, but stay with me. She is wonderfully <laughs> sweet. She is creative, talented, absolutely gorgeous, and funny, but those things aren't why I love her. If all those things go away, I still love her. I just do. Loving her has always had to do more with me than it has to do with her. Mm. Loving Anna is just who I am and what I do. I'm not perfect at it. I'm still insensitive and selfish all the time. It still happens. Sick pig for sure. (laughs) (laughs) But I have that ideal that I can strive for. And I'm sorry if that sounded like kind of mechanical because I was reading parts of it no, but that was beautiful. I didn't want to ramble no, I, I love yeah. that it almost reminds me of if you've ever seen Brooklyn Nine-Nine when they're in a, they're <laughs> in a, they're in a stakeout Jake and Boyles and they started writing all these these lists of like things they can and can't do and it got to a point where it was just toxic because yeah. they had filled the entire wall with things they couldn't couldn't do and they ended up blowing the whole operation because they couldn't cooperate <laughs> <laughs> Whether if, if they could have just figured out how to live together and kind of like you mentioned indirectly is like she has become and has become a part of you. Yeah. She is you in a sense because you are one because of marriage. Yeah. It just becomes easy to look at it like, oh, yeah, like I am totally selfless. This is me as well. And it doesn't matter what happens, what changes like it's it's me like it's yeah. a part of me. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously I have, you know, I never saw the whole situation. Yeah. Um, and even whenever I got an email in regards to the situation, it was watered down. I did. I had no idea what was going on when I was on the mission. 
um, Brigham would say like things have been you know a little unique with Anna's uh, health struggles and I was like she have like a disease or something she got cancer I was like (laughs) what is happening you know and so I was I seriously thought you had like a like a different kind of disease not like a mental illness I thought you had like a physical disease um so that was confusing to me but yeah it's 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 really crazy like I didn't know until I came home how severe it actually was and where I could actually you know get a little bit more of the insights and then visit you guys here and there and things like that yeah so I guess kind of trailing back a little bit for you, Anna, what would you say is, as we like to say, your life must go on moment when kind of peace and calm and clarity of mind, or whatever it was for you, came back into your life? Well, I guess starting in the hospital, right? Yes. Um, so, yeah, when I was in the hospital, I had a lot more time than I thought to just be with myself. Um, not as much checking in with doctors as I thought, um, which was kind of frustrating because it felt like, why am I even here? Like, mm. <laughs> Kind of alone. Yeah, yeah, it's like I could be doing this at home if I, you know, whatever. Mm. But it obviously was necessary because if I could have done that, I would have done it before. But um, so, yeah, there was just a lot more time for me to just be by myself with my thoughts and Um, I did a lot of, um, analyzing and trying to figure out like what, what I need to do to be better once I, um, was discharged. Mm. Um, because I was like, I, I've made it this far and I can't go back and just let everything fall back to the way that it was. Um, and so I just... I think one day in like one of our group sessions, they talked about um, mantras or um, phrases to keep us going. And so I was thinking about that and I just started repeating to myself, I am strong, I can do this. Mm. And at first it was really just like to get me through every day at the hospital because I did not like it and it was lonely and... uh, yeah, just not fun. So I just had to tell myself, I'm strong. I can do this. In a couple of days, I can go home. And um, and so, yeah, that was definitely like the turning point for me was just, I was finally able to convince myself that I had the strength within me to get better and keep going. And obviously it hasn't been completely smooth sailing since then but it seriously has felt like night and day night and day yeah and then like for you brigham were you allowed to visit her while she was in the hospital were you just kind of an outside observer giving her her space what was that after kidnapping her and dropping her (laughs) off in this crazy world hey be careful saying kidnapping right sorry sorry. (laughs) you're like i've been there done that yeah don't bring it up yeah hers was mild (laughs) it's hard i can't even can't even talk i'm just kidding i'm just kidding yeah um they did have some visiting hours i think it what one visitor a day maybe two or something but you had family in town your dad covid because of covid yeah um you had family she had family in town her dad tapped out her mom partway through, I believe is what happened yeah. and worked remotely. So I wanted to give them a chance because they'd flown out here. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, I got to visit a little bit and, uh, and I do remember when she told me her mantra that I am strong, I can do this. And, and we had tried some mantras before, but this was the first one that came from within herself. And, um, I will say, um, (laughs) driving home after dropping her off, it was like really stormy. It was actually, it was April, end of April, but it was like snowing up at the U where the hospital was. Cause it was like right on the bench. Right. And you yeah, know, it was like, yeah, 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 yeah. And so it was like snowing late April. You're like, this is weird. And as I was driving home, song on the radio came on, um, colder weather by, uh, Zach Brown band. Yep. Bro. I just started weeping. Just wow. like stuck in colder weather. Maybe tomorrow will be better. Yeah. Can I call you then? It's just, Ooh, that one hit me. And it was, it was colder weather, you yeah. know, too. Okay. So it, it hit really. So it was, it was very sad, but I think it was a time of hope time of like, like I say, night and day, like, um, like the sun's going to rise kind of life must go on right at this point. Mm-hmm. Like we're gonna, we're going to get through this. And, um, it was a very, it was a hopeful time. And then since then, obviously we have a baby. Yeah. And so, mm. and Anna has been an absolute rock star of a mom and rock star of a wife. Um, she always has been, but she's, she's now at her full capacity to do so. Right. right. And so, um, yeah, we've been, we've been really blessed. Um, Something I wanted to kind of mention, um, it's also, you know, we have family members and, and other people in our lives who do struggle with mental illness and they all don't get better. And like I say, it hasn't been perfect, but it's been such a huge change. And one of the, in fact, while Anna was at the hospital, I went to the driving range one day and who did I see there? Your boy. Monson Flake. Mr. Monson Flake. Absolutely topping the ball every single time, <laughs> shanking it. Right. Yeah. But it was good to see him. And he, because he knew um, some of Anna's situation, I, I updated him. And that's when you told me that your mom had been struggling with, mm. um, with suicidal ideations and things. Time? In yeah. fact, like, I think it was less than a week after Anna got out of the hospital and, you know, we were cloud nine, like so happy and everything's going well. And then we got the news mm. from Monson that, uh, mm. his, his stepmom had lost her life to suicide. And that was, that was a... Obviously, it's way harder for you and your family, months, and I don't want to make this about me, mm-hmm. but like, just like, oh my gosh, like put things into perspective. Yeah, it, it, that this what what happened to us and this gift we were given like doesn't happen to everybody. Not like, not that Anna was any better or any worse than your stepmom. It just happened. Like, situation, situation was different, right. and and uh, so we just feel really blessed and lucky, and um, our our hearts go out to anybody who's been affected by suicide, mm-hmm. whether the person ended up losing their life to suicide or not but just uh yeah um it's amazing the way i'm gonna try not to get emotional and stuff it gets me but uh it's amazing the way that our struggles can bond us with other people because you know like you said you gain an empathy for people and an understanding and obviously you don't have to go through every challenge to understand every challenge Mm -hmm. um maybe to its full capacity sure but you can at least be empathetic just naturally um, however, just, it's amazing the way that the man above takes our challenges and ties us together with people who can help. And as weird as this is going to sound, it was actually a huge help to me. I remember when I, when, when, when Lisa was going through her stuff, when I did talk to you and knew about Anna's situation, um, just hearing the way that you handled it and the way that you guys were going about it helped me. Cause there was that one time where there's three days where 
really complicated situation at home happened and I was the only one with Lisa for like three straight days. I had to pretty much just 24 seven suicide watch and I didn't sleep, you know, more than two hours in the span of three days. And because of what I'd heard from you guys' situation, it helped me. And I remember specifically, I don't know if you recall the night that Lisa passed away driving to my brother's house. Um, we were taking my dad to my brother's house because we didn't want him to sleep at the house, obviously. And so as we're taking my dad to the bro- to my brother's house, it obviously was just recently after you got out of the hospital. But this helped me, which is why it's a strange statement. I remember got to the point of the highway right in Provo, right down the street here in Center Street. And I got to the point of the highway and just the voice come to my mind said, call Brigham. And I called you and was like, hey, my mom just passed away. Um, but I want you to know that Anna's going to be okay. Yeah. And I just remember having this absurd, really kind of out-of-body experience. And thankfully, you'd already been to the hospital. But I just, for some reason, I knew that she'd be okay. And I knew that you'd be okay. And that experience that I had gone through with Lisa. And then it's just amazing the way me calling you, that didn't help, like, as much as I hope it helped you guys, it helped me. And It was a powerful moment. It, it it really was. And so it's really, really cool to see the way that like the extremes of, you know, suicidal thoughts and, and suicide itself and mental illness, like the extremes that those can go. It's just amazing to see the way that if we are able to push through, if we are able to say life must go on and muster it out of us with, with all of our strength, if we are able to do that, we will always see small little moments that help us overcome the challenges. And I think that Anna touched up on it earlier when we were asking her about marriage challenges and she touched up on as hard as it was, I noticed small moments where things were good and where we did have positive moments. And every single person that comes on this podcast, the things that help them are those small little moments. Mm -hmm. When you go through these challenges and these struggles, even severe, even little, when you go through challenges and struggles, there will be glimmers of hope, and I promise you, and we all can promise, I guarantee I mean, there's four people who have kind of been through it a couple times. I, I promise you that if you hold on to those small moments of light, when you look back at it in the grand scheme of things, you'll be able to see that, you know, people were there, God was there, um, your inner spirit was there, and you were able to overcome those challenges, and you'll see those moments where that is really what keeps you through. Don't expect a miracle but expect the small ones. The fireflies. The fireflies. Ooh, look at that. <laughs> Tied it all back in. That's beautiful. Expect the fireflies after you got robbed and you buck naked praying by the woods. Yeah. The outro song has to be the, the Owl City. The <laughs> you would not believe your eyes. <laughs> that song's just a meme at this point. I think it's past my bedtime, Anson. I think it is past your bedtime, Aiden. That is... That is our time for today. Sadly. Sadly, indeed. I could go on for hours and hours. Um, but I appreciate you guys very much for coming in. And mm. I hope that it feels good. I One of my favorite things is hearing our guests' reactions to opening up. Because oftentimes, uh, people don't open up. It's the first time. Yeah, and this yeah. is the first time they do. And so... I hope it feels good to open up and to talk to people about the situation. Therapy in and of itself. 100%. Yeah. And then as well, I just, 
we appreciate it. So thanks for coming yeah. on, and I know our guests will really, or our, our guests, but our listeners <laughs> will really, really enjoy it. So thank you. Thank, thank you, you Monson yes, Hayden. It's been you. great. Awesome. Oh, I love you guys. All right, team. Tune in for this episode and tune in next week. Woo! <laughs>